0: Are you feeling disconnected? Have you lost trust in your own inner guidance? Are you looking for a deeper meaning in life or the meaning of life? Visit
1: wellnesscontinuing.com for spiritual tools and resources to facilitate your inner growth and help you to connect with your true nature. From a free podcast about consciousness and the afterlife to blog posts, from healing music to dream work and more, Wellness Continuing is the place to elevate your heart and mind visit wellnesscontinuing.com.
0: Welcome to Life Continuing, conversations that explore consciousness, healing, and infinite existence. I'm Tanya Berg. Annette Marinaccio is a certified public accountant and an accomplished healthcare executive. Annette's mother in law led her on a path after she died to prove that there is, in fact, an afterlife. Being a hardwired, analytical, left side brain dominant person, Annette had to be convinced with visible, tangible, and otherwise unexplainable occurrences. Annette takes us through her experience of being guided and educated about the existence of the afterlife by her relatives in her book, Your Soul Focus. After understanding that the afterlife is existent, Annette learned how intricate and extensive our souls and our journeys are. Listen now as Annette speaks about how this all happened and how she is one of the few people who has been able to experience the other side without direct
1: access to it.
0: Annette, welcome to Life Continuing. It's lovely to have you on the show.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, honored to be here, to be a guest.
0: Wonderful. I love your book. It's called Your Soul Focus, and you focused on how basically your relatives, your family on the other side, has awoken you to the afterlife,
1: That's absolutely true. And you know, I can't say that I was skeptical because I really didn't think about it too much. I was just sort of busy living, you know, my life. And um, once my relatives sort of, I'll have to say made a concerted effort to start waking me up to the afterlife, just very methodically, because they knew that's what it would take for me to accept it and digest it. Um, Yeah, it it just totally was life changing you know, but yeah, that's what happened. They woke me up to the other <laughs> to the fact that they're still here.
0: <laughs> so what, um, what's interesting is, uh,
1: you're an accountant
0: and very analytical.
1: I'm a CPA. And so my, uh, the left side of my brain, which is that kind of computer analytical, you know, type of math side is, um, very, very dominant. I don't have a lot of the, um, sort of creative side of things going, you know. So um, it, it took a lot for me to understand. Number one, that there's an afterlife, and then once I understood there was an afterlife, what it's about. And um, and I, I think that my dis- my relatives on the other side, and eventually my spirit guides, um, really needed, really knew that I would need that kind of methodical walking through everything step by step. And that's what they did. They really uh, took about three years and it was like one piece of information at a time and another piece of information at a time. But I think the fact that I'm a a CPA um, has made the the book, Your Soul Focus, very like relatable because it's written (laughs) like an accountant might write something. Uh, not in tax code or anything, but just very, you know, systematic. And, um, you know, people from from what I've heard from readers, they said, well, you're just like one of us. And yet you wrote a book. So I think it's very relatable to everybody, because I'm an accountant.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, it definitely is. Tell me about the pom pom story, because that just, is, you know, really gets me in the heart chakra. I just love that story.
1: Right, so that I would say was was obviously a very pivotal uh, turning point for me. It was um, five year five days after we had buried my uh, mother in law, and she died prematurely. She died at sixty eight years old, pancreatic cancer. So I would say prematurely. It was horrible death. And we have a, I have a very small, close knit family, and so um, my kids, my um, husband, myself, we were all really, really distraught and, and devastated. And um, we buried her on a Saturday. And then it was probably that following Wednesday or Thursday uh, before I was going to work. And before my daughter was going to school, my daughter was 13 at the time. Um, we were just sitting at the breakfast table. And she just very matter of fact said, i um, So grandma gave me some pom-poms yesterday and I'm like, which grandma? (laughs) Like I knew she hadn't seen my mother and her other grandmother we just buried. So um, I was, and she was like, grandma Lucille, who's the, my, my mother-in-law who had just passed. And I was like, what are you talking about? How could she have given you pom-poms? And so I was sort of listening to her curiously, you know, and in the back of my mind wondering maybe she's going through some horrible grief situation where she's hallucinating. And I don't know, you know, but she was very concrete and matter of fact about it. And she said, well, yesterday in art class, um, we were making three dimensional cards, 3d cards. And I decided to make, um, a 3d card with 11 green and 11 red pom poms on it. And so I went to the closet, the art closet, and I got the Tupperware, Uh, of all the pom-poms and they're all different colors and all different sizes and everything. And I sat at my station and I took out my 11 red and my 11 green and I recounted them to make sure, which is just like her. She's even now, she's just very meticulous, very deliberate. And she said, then I went back to the closet, returned it. And I came back and there were my 11 green and my 11 red and one lavender and one um, ivory color. Um, and, And I was like, I don't understand. And she said, me neither. And I said, well, how did they get there? And she said, I don't know. She was just very fascinated. And she, I could see she played through everything in her head. She said, "It obviously they must've floated through the air or they must've just appeared. Like those were her possibilities. And I'm like, well, was there anybody else sitting around your desk? And she said, no, we all had our individual art tables. There was, there was only like 12 kids in the class. And um, I said, could anybody else have put, put them there? Could you have dropped them and picked them up? I'm like asking her a lot of questions. And she's just like, no, no. And I'm like, well, then what do you make of it? And she said, well, they're the exact colors of the balloons that we let go for grandma at the gravesite." And I was like, well, that's true. They were lavender and ivory. And I was like, so what do you think? And she said, well, grandma was obviously thanking me for the balloons. And I was just like, Oh, like really? Like that's what you? I, I didn't even know what to say. And um, she said, "Do you want to see them?" And I was like, "Yes." And because then I'm thinking, well, she's not hallucinating if she really has them, you know. And she went running up to her room and come and she came back downstairs and she opened her palm and they were, you know, two pom pom, uh, two pom poms, one lavender and one ivory, the exact color of the balloons, like not even like white to ivory and not even like purple so lavender. It was lavender and ivory. It was the exact same colors. And I was like, I, 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 <laughs> I got the I said, chills. <laughs> I, and I said to her something that I probably shouldn't have said, but that's what just came out. I do remember that I said it. I said, you know something? If these are from Grandma Lucille, then you better be buried with them when your time comes in your casket because that is amazing. <laughs> you know, And that's what I said yep. to her. And that's so, an honest response. Yeah, I was like, I didn't even <laughs> You know, um, I didn't even know what to say. I was so um, she was like, I know. And she was so excited. And she, you know, was so earnest and honest about it and genuine. And I I mean, it it wasn't like she was struggling, trying to, uh, she didn't, she wasn't hallucinating. So, um, so that was it. And that was, that was the turning point for me because it was enough for me to think either my daughter is going through something that I can't possibly understand or relate to, or this really happened, and I didn't know what to make of it. But what I this the, the thing that was like that one two punch was I was telling everybody I knew that this is what happened. This is what, I wanted to sounding board to see what people thought in my work day and my friends, and I was telling. A neighbor, um a good friend of mine, she's about five houses away, and we were three houses away. We're speaking about you know a week after this situation. I tell her the pom pom story, and she listens to the whole thing, and we had been close probably ten years at that point, but had never spoken about the afterlife. I guess it hadn't come up and um she waited for my entire story, Maria, and she said in the book I named to donna but and she said, <laughs> um, at the end of it, she said, just incredulously, well, you believe in the afterlife, don't you, Annette? And I was just like, what? You believe in the afterlife? And she was like, oh, come on, you don't believe in the afterlife? And I'm like, I- I'm like, what? And so now I had this very credible friend who absolutely, be- there was no denying it to her. So that's the subtitle of my book. It's your sole focus. You believe in the afterlife, don't you? Because that's what she said to me, and I, and that's what made me think, wow. Uh, then if you believe in it, and I'm great friends with you, then now either Diana's making my daughter's making something up, and you're not sane, <laughs> you know, you're crazy yeah. too. So right. maybe there is something to this. But those were the, that was a one-two punch, and it happened within uh, really within two weeks of my mother-in-law, um, dying. Right. And so that was my mother-in-law basically figuring out, okay, I've got to get through to Annette. Like she, she's a, she's a conduit. She's going to get this. She's going to eventually get this. And, and that's what she was, that's what my mother-in-law was doing.
0: It is a surprise to me actually that, uh, it's family members that help us and I'll explain why because we hear a lot about spirit guides, which I know you had a a chapter on as well, which we can talk about. But um, I thought it was more removed, more, you know, the angels, the spirit guides, universe, God, whatever word you want to use. But to think that our family members can be our guides, because I, over my time, I have learned that I have two family members, specific ones that come to me all the time, and they are my primary guides, which was a total shock in itself. Um, But it's amazing that our, our, soul group, I guess, our family, immediate family can mm-hmm. be that. And it can be friends too, but mm-hmm. that our family is, and the way your story unfolds, your mother-in-law, you know, took the first step. She was the first one at front and center to say, wake up.
1: <laughs> That's, right. That's right. And once I, once I accepted that, um, I, I knew I had to take the reins from her and understand you know more and and more about it, but you're absolutely right. I think it's very comforting to know that our family members are really still here and guiding us and protecting us. And when we get back to the other side, we're we're really um, universally in our soul group helping each other. You know, so it's right. it's sort of like you know I was helping her and she is helping me, and um, it's 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 interesting because you you would I would have thought before I understood everything that my, my meeting my husband and marrying my husband had no connection to his family and his mother. Right. I mean, I didn't know them. I met him and fell in love with him and married him. (laughs) And yes, of course the family's there, but to think that his mother was going to be the one to change my life I would never have thought that. I and because never... I'm
0: thinking to some audience uh, or listeners, I should say, some listeners might be thinking, well, I don't want my immediate family because, you know, we're fractured and it's not really that good. So I really don't want to k- connect with them, you know, uh, beyond in the beyond. But I mean, it doesn't have to be direct family. It can be uh, extended family. Right. Cousins, in-laws. Sure friends, right? So that can make up our soul group, our guides. But like I said, the whole fact that spirit guides can be family members is really interesting to me.
1: It's interesting. And also um, I had heard uh, at one point that you don't get the family that you want, you get the family that you need. So the interesting thing is even when families are fractured, people don't have Mm -hmm. good relationships anymore. um, It may serve a person well to look into themselves in terms of what about this family member is so bothersome to me because it may help stretch your own soul to just understand that. So I'm not saying that every family has to be so, you know, you know, lovey dovey and close, but at the end of the day, we do get surrounded by people that we need to, to stretch our souls here. And so it, it makes sense that family members often have squabbles or are fractured or are distant from each other because it, it's a, it's a hard relationship, that family relationship. Absolutely.
0: So, yes. Yes. So tell me about the train story because that's another one that really jumped out at me.
1: Right. So, yeah, so that one, and again, I don't, you know, being a numbers person, I don't know why I remember things, but I remember the date, January 23rd. And I had taken my, of 20 of uh, 2007. I had taken my um, girlfriend to see a medium because what was happening is as I was learning more about this, I was fascinated and I wanted to just share it with everybody that I was close to. You know, I was like, you're never going to believe this. You never, going right. So um, and as I went to, I dragged a bunch of my friends and family to all kinds of different medium events. And I really didn't do any one-on-one kind of things because people say, well, you know, mediums will take advantage of your grief. I wasn't really terribly grieving. It was my mother-in-law and it was a year and a half prior. So I was really fact-finding. I was not in grief to be clouded by misjudgment or anything like that. I was going in with a, an unbelievable sense of curiosity and just wanting to understand. And and I wasn't skeptical and I wasn't gullible. I just was an accountant. I just needed to make sense of it. That's That was my objective. And what I found as I went to these various events is the souls on the other side would unfold things for me at these events that helped me get a further understanding about the afterlife. And so it wasn't always that I was going to these things and it was just entertaining. I would learn something that I had not known before. And, And that was what was amazing to me. So I take my girlfriend, um, Joanne, to the, to a very uh, proficient, you know effective medium on Long Island, Robert Hansen, who after I wrote the book, I got the nerve up to ask three mediums with a presence on Long Island, a public presence on Long Island, to do me a favor and read the book and see what they thought from a spir- their spiritual perspective. Because I knew it made sense from an accounting point of view, but I was curious what they would think. And all three of them loved it and endorsed it. Um, So I have their endorsements on the back of the book and inside the book. But one of them was Robert Hansen. So I took my my girlfriend to see him and um, that we were in a gallery setting like you might see on TV, like uh, John Edward when he reads people or whatever. And I think there are probably 50 people in the room. And again, I'm not looking to be read because I have no message I need to receive. I'm just fascinated by it and I want to learn as much as I can. But as fate would have it, Um, I was red. And so, and we were right in the front and he was basically, um, my, my mother-in-law came through Lucille. She asked, um, he asked me who's Ralph. Is that your husband, Ralph? Yes. Ralph was my husband. Um, and he had a lot of very specific, um, specific, um, hits, you know, validate validations, (laughs) um, like for sure he brought through my niece who since passed, but had horrible cancer at birth. And so he, what he was saying was, I see her and I see holes where her skull would be. So I, I'm assuming she's blind, which she was. So um, he, he was bringing through images of my niece who was uh, on my, uh, my husband's side of the family. So my mother-in-law would bring her through and just, you know, one thing after another. But at one point he starts saying, um, I also see um, a a Lionel train, a Lionel train. So I'm sure you have, and it was January. So he said, do you you put Lionel trains around your uh, maybe holiday time around a tree or in the living room or something like that? That's what he thought it was. And I was like, no, I don't put any Lionel trains out because we don't. And he said, and he's struggling and he's thinking about it and he goes did you um, have Lionel trains as a kid when you were home, you know, in your, your parents' house, did they put at holiday time, Lionel trains, like maybe some people do Christmas village or something like that. And I said, Nope, nothing like that. Nothing like that. And he said, did you ever go on a Lionel uh, on a, on a steam engine kind of train trip, like on a vacation with your mother-in-law? And I said, well, we were on a steam engine trip in Pennsylvania, but my mother-in-law wasn't even with us and he's struggling with this. And, and that's, This is another fact that makes me believe mediums is if they were really just doing a magic show, like I would have thought initially when I was first started with this, I thought, you know, that's some kind of magic act. Then they wouldn't want to, in front of 50 people, be wrong repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. They would give up. They would work with the information I was giving them and move on. They would try and save face. So it always was interesting to me when a medium would insist on going down the really wrong road. you know. And he was insisting. I mean, he was spending, you know, now we were almost like three minutes of everybody's time. And he's obviously wrong. I don't work with Lionel trains. I have no Lionel trains. I went on a steam engine, like way back with the kids. It didn't even move. We were just sitting there. My mother-in-law was not with us. He obviously was just wrong and he wouldn't give up. Um, and finally, after probably, I'm going to say almost three minutes, he backed off. I, I there was nothing I could give him. It was like, you know, and then he asked one other thing. He said, who is Dom? And Dom is my father-in-law. So I, it was all my mother-in-law coming through. Um, but anyway, I'm driving home with my friend and I was like, she was like, my God, that was incredible. He brought up your, your niece. He brought up your um, Ralph's name. He brought up, you know, I, I said, I know it's like, where is he getting this information? It's like my mother was right there, I, I, and so um, I was just fascinated. I said, "The only thing that bothers me is why wouldn't he back off on the train? It obviously wasn't for me, and he kept it up and up and up. I, it's just like you know, I wish he would have just stopped." And she said, "Yeah, no, whatever." Then about you know the following weekend, I'm at my parents' house. My parents um, were probably in their late 70s, I think, at that point. And, um, I'm telling them the story. I took Joanne to so Robert Hansen, and, you know, I'm going on and on. And I bring up to them, you know, the only thing that bothered me is he wouldn't back off of the the trains. One other thing that he had said in this, in the sitting, he said, what I'm seeing is somebody holding a Lionel train in their hand. Yeah. You know, you, he said that during the sitting, I forgot to, forgot to mention that. And I was like, no, we don't have Lionel trains. Like enough, enough, you know, yeah. um, so I bring that up to my parents and my father turns white. You know, he just is like, what? And I'm like, um, I said, yeah, he wouldn't back off. He thinks I have trains around the tree or a Christmas village or when I was growing up, I had trains. And 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 he said, but what did you just say about the hand? And I said, he said he saw somebody with a Lionel train in their hand. Yeah. And, um, and my father goes, I, I can't believe this. Because this week last week, I was cleaning out the basement, and I found your brother Thomas's Ly- Lionel trains from when he was a kid, and I opened the box and I was holding it, and I was debating on whether I should throw out the train set or keep them. And I was like, really? I, I was just I, I was uh, what <laughs> you know yeah. so so the message was for him. Right, and I was like, and he said, "So what are you telling me?" And I was at that point, I was like, "I have, I have no idea what I'm telling you. I have, I have no idea. I'm dumbfounded that this was not a miss. Yeah, this was a hit, and not for me, but for you. Yeah." And he said, "Was somebody watching me in the basement?" And I said, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. And so again, now I understand. Now I understand. But at that point, I was the the my the my relatives on the other side were opening doors for me one at a time to help me walk me through this. But now I understand that they are right there. And what they were trying to show me was well, I let's say Einstein's theory of relativity. You can only relate to what you can relate to. <laughs> What they were trying to show me is, even though you think you know something or know everything, you don't. There are things outside of what you know right now and see right now that are occurring. And we see and we, you know, we see it, but you cannot understand you don't know everything. And that's what they were trying to show me. They were trying to show me that, yeah, they were there. They were there with my dad. They saw my dad and they conveyed it to me. And I was so positive he was wrong and he was not Robert Hansen. He was right. So that's what they were trying to show me. And and, and that's really what my book sort of unfolds like chapter by chapter. It's just I only inclu- I had so many more examples than what I have in the book. But what I tried to do was just include enough examples to get the point across, the the, ed, the sort of educational point across. Mm-hmm. And that's why I included that chapter, because that was just, it was mind-blowing. It was mind-blowing. But yeah, Absolutely. that's the, the, the train story. Right,
0: right. You talked also a bit about uh, the frequency when it comes to being here and connecting and then those on the other side. I'm always pointing up, but I know it's everywhere. <laughs> um, so frequency. So they have to lower, our loved ones have to lower their frequency to slow it down a bit. And we have to speed ours up through relaxation or meditation.
1: Can you talk a bit more about yeah. that? Yeah. So that, and that's interesting to me because I'm not a uh, science-based at all. So it seems opposite to me. It would seem that um, their frequencies are... It would say we we connect with them more when we are more calm, like sleeping. And when that happens, our frequencies are raised, which seems the opposite to me. Like, I would think if we're resting and we're sleeping, like, because you feel like your energy lowers, but somehow your frequency is raised during that time. So, when our frequency is raised, when we're meditating or we're asleep, And our frequency rises and the souls on the other side who have a very high frequency can lower their frequency to meet ours that's when those priceless communications happen and some people innately um like a medium are are very easily able to raise their vibrational energy or raise their frequency to a level higher than other people and it makes them really like a portal so that the, the the souls on the other side will sort of see that almost like a, a, like a, an antenna that's up. They'll see that that's somebody that we can get through to. And um, I don't have that ability at all, but it was interesting. I was um, honored to be a speaker at an event over the summer because of the book. And someone in the audience, very, very young girl surprised me, you know, and said to me, you may not think you're that, that you have that antenna because you can't connect with the other side, but you must have this, a similar antenna. They must've realized they could get their points through to you enough for you to write this book. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. So, <laughs> Um, so yeah, so they, they'll they get through any way they can. I have a, a friend actually, who said to me after I wrote the book, she said, um, geez, your mother-in-law must have been such a strong individual. And I was like, she was strong, but I don't know about so much stronger than anybody else. And she said, well, then you guys must have had the closest of relationships. And I was like, we were, we were very close and loving, but I think like any loving family member, like I wouldn't say it was anything super extraordinary. And then she said, well, then why did, why did she pick you to come through to? And I was like, I don't know. And then she thought about it and she said, Oh, I know why, because she knew you'd write the book. She knew you, you're being an accountant. You would, you would get your, your act together and put the put it in writing so that other people would benefit from it. You, you would share it. And I was like, well, that's true because once you put something out, like I put out this book, there are so many people out there. I mean, thousands, tens of thousands that have such similar stories, story after story, after story, after story. Um, So it's, it's not like I'm the only one who has these occurrences. Like once you're open to it, everybody's so many people, not everybody, but so many people. And so I think I must have I'm coming around to understand that I probably also have my antenna up in in some different kind of way so that they're using me as a portal because they wanted me to summarize what they had to send to me in a way that's very digestible. You know. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I'm just thinking too, uh, You know, we can all connect in some way, but we're not all going to be uh, mediums that can sit in front of people and just read everybody and bring through with high accuracy. It'll come out in different ways. So like you said, your antenna was up enough to be triggered and to gather facts and information and then make it very organized and uh, put it in yeah. a book. And that's your gift to the world. That's your mediumship reading for the world.
1: Exactly. And that's what that young girl said in that, in that um, forum where I was the speaker. Um, And she she said that. And I was like, you know, she couldn't have been more than probably 23, 24 years old, maybe 25. And I was like, wow, yeah, you're absolutely right. I I didn't think of that. You know, I hadn't thought of that. I couldn't figure out why me. Um, But, you know, but yes.
0: I had a guest recently, just makes me think of this. Um, I always say, you know, always a student, you know, always remembering there's always stuff to learn. But he said, uh-uh, always a student and a teacher at the same time. So maybe this young lady was here to learn from you, but then that switched around in that moment where she became your teacher for that one thing.
1: Oh, oh absolutely. And and you're absolutely yeah. right because it, it, when you when you look back, you only remember certain things that certain people say. Yeah, like you don't remember everything in your life. But when something sticks with you, like when that young girl said that to me, um, you, you know that she has teacher in her, and because she obviously observed it and said it, and it hit hit, hit my heart. And so I was like, "Wow, yeah, she's ab- 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 absolutely a teacher." <laughs>
0: Yeah. So tell me, what else then have you learned through this entire process? I mean, obviously the factual things and the specific things about afterlife connection and that the the fact that there is an afterlife and the consciousness continues. But I know that these experiences affect us personally in our personal lives as well. How has it affected you very personally with all of this uh, new information?
1: Well, it, it, um, it's changed my my overall day-to-day living in two, two, I would say two big ways. Um, The first way is that before I understood that what, what we're doing here is a teeny, 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 tiny sliver of our soul's existence. And I really thought like a a lot of people think like, this is it. And so I felt um, a lot of pressure to sort of get it right. I was uh, more of more, I would say more of a High, strong type A personality. I still am a very type A personality, but there was a lot more pressure on myself. I, I just simply don't have that pressure now because um, I understand that the understanding that it's really not all about here. That it's really this is it. This is very important here, but um, it's going to end, and and we are going to go on. So that, so it just let, instead of me living just for my family, for myself in a bubble, just living my, my day and being stressed out about my day and stressed out about the kids and stressed out about work, um, I, that level of stress has dissipated to some extent. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I feel, um, a sense of responsibility to share this information. So whenever I, whenever I can and wherever I think it makes sense, because it's certainly not a topic for everybody. Uh, I will try and broach the topic with someone if I think I have information that they may benefit from. So, um, so, for instance, uh, throughout the years, one of the reasons I put the book together is because after I had learned everything I had learned, I sort of felt like, OK, I'm done. I know everything I need to about the afterlife. Let me live my life differently and and get on with it. And that, pro- that process probably took about three or four years. So my Muslim died in 2006, somewhere around 2010, I would say. I didn't need to learn anymore. I don't frequent medium events anymore. I don't read like I was an avid, avid reading every book out there on the afterlife um, from every different perspective. I'm not doing that anymore. No more articles. Like I, I sort of felt done. I understood it. But what I found is that the universe kept putting me in the path of people that could use a piece of my knowledge. So for instance, a coworker whose brother just died or a friend whose father died. And what I found is the universe kept putting me in the path of people who, if I could just give them a piece of what I had learned, they would be more comfortable with the circumstances they were in. Okay. And, and not, only, not only death circumstances, but even like um, real life circumstances, like somebody would be struggling with their, their three-year-old child going through the terrible twos or whatever. And I would think to myself, hmm, that child chose this parent because that's something I learned is you choose before you come here. And I would, and that would be, you know, so I would say to the person who's struggling, I just want to say this. (laughs) I have this different perspective about um, life, death, whatever. And I believe that little Susie, before she came here, selected you. (laughs) She selected you to be her mother so when she's driving you nuts (laughs) you know just sit back and think hey she chose me (laughs) she's the one who chose me (laughs) so uh, you know it it makes you live your life differently so i found that the universe would put me in the path of people who were going through something and then i had learned something in that four years that was able to help them and so i felt a sense of responsibility to share and, um, and that's why I ended up really writing the book too, because it's like, how many times can I say the same thing over and over? Again? I'm going to put it in a book. And if everybody is, <laughs> I'll just say, here it is. It's in the book. So, um, and I, that's what I did. I put everything that helped anybody ever that I came up with in the book, but it was just that, that those are the two things. It, it allowed me to live a, a, a I'll say a larger life, you know, like a more broad life, not just about myself. And then also it allowed me It it provided me a sense of responsibility to share that knowledge wherever I possibly could.
0: Yeah. And I know that you have a Catholic upbringing and that came into play and kind of collided together. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about that and if Catholicism is still a part of your life?
1: It is. It's very interesting because I uh, I was raised Roman Catholic and um, went to church all the time and et cetera, et cetera. And um, I, I guess I did not connect or understand that the Catholic Church has such a problem with the whole mediums and afterlife and that whole thing. I didn't make that connection. I didn't. I You know, I mean, they talk about Jesus rising. And so I wasn't. Um, uh, you know, So I, I just assumed that life after death was something that the Catholic Church maybe wouldn't talk about all the time and embrace, but they wouldn't frown upon it. And what I learned is that they do, in fact, frown upon it. Upon it. And so what I have done in my, um, my life since then is what I do with many things in my life that I cannot reconcile completely. And I think actually everybody does as part of the human experience. When there are two things in your life, or 10 things in your life that collide, then what you do is you take the pieces of each thing that resonate with you, you incorporate them in, into your life, into your soul, into your daily routine, and you park or compartmentalize the things that don't connect. And you just move on with your day. And and that's really how people handle any, any kind of um, conflicts at all. It's like, you have to get on with your day. So you can't fully resolve this. I can't fully resolve this. So um, I have to take what resonates me, what I enjoy about the Catholic faith and what I enjoy about my spirituality and where they connect or even where they don't connect, but separately resonate with me, incorporate that into my daily routine. And for things that don't, Connect or collide, and I can't make sense of them one way or another. I have to just park them and and move on with my day.
0: That's the best advice I've ever heard. Actually, <laughs> that's a great I mean, way to
1: cope, right? It, it's, a, it, it's it's way it's interesting because people bring it up with the um. You, you're not the first to have asked me about that. How to how to reconcile that? But it's the same thing that people do with grief. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. You cannot really um get through. Oh, how can you get through? You can't really get through it. You can't. It's impossible. You have to learn to live with it. Okay. So it's part of the human experience. So you take what you can digest at the time you can digest it. And you take what you can't resolve. You compartmentalize it, you acknowledge it, validate it and move it aside and and get on with your day. I mean, that's just what you have to do. And, and that happens with it just happens with everything in life. It happens with politics. It happens with, with you know, there's a terrorist attack. You cannot, you cannot, you know, it happens every time you, you see, you know, the the um, the dogs on TV with for the ASPCA, how sad that is. There are just yeah. so many things in life that you cannot totally resolve and you will never be comfortable with. How can you be comfortable with the horrible things going on in the world that you just can't? Mm-hmm. So you have to just take what resonates with you incorporate it into yourself and and move the things that um, that you cannot reconcile aside and, and move yeah. forward yeah that's yeah like I said that's sound advice um, so where can we find your book oh so my book is at um, is on amazon yeah um, I have it in uh, paperback in the Kindle version and I put it out in audible too I said once I sort of made the money back because I self-published it. So once I put the, um, made the money back, I'm going to s- just sink the money into the book. You know, I want, I really want yeah. to get the word out. You know, it's not, yeah. I have a, I have a really great job. So <laughs> this is not like my livelihood. So um, I really just am about spreading the word. Uh, so I, I ended up one, once I made the money back, I said, okay, now I'll spring for an Audible book. So I uh, hired a wonderful narrator and she narrated it. So I put that Audible book out also. So it's on Audible and amazon and barnes and noble and it's in Absolutely. some local long island bookstores too so do you have a website i do it's annette Maranaccio.com. my um my great son connected me before i put the book out there he's like let's get your domain name with your own you know with your name on it yeah. so i said good good idea so um i have annette marinaccio.com and i Um, I not only have links to purchase the book on there, but I also update, like I'll update this um, podcast and I'll say, you know, these are my upcoming events and that kind of thing. So, yeah.
0: Lovely to speak with you. Lovely to meet you.
1: Lovely way to spend uh, the afternoon.
0: Yeah. Thank you. We'll be in touch for sure. Okay.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Life Continuing. A special thanks to Annette Marinaccio. For more on Annette and to purchase her book, please visit annettmarinaccio.com. The advisor to the show is Amanda Capito. The music for this podcast was composed by Richard Farron. I'm your host, Tanya Berg. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow on Instagram at Life Continuing Podcast. And check out wellnesscontinuing.com for spiritual tools and resources to elevate your heart mind. And be sure to join me next time, where we'll continue this conversation about life continuing.